Pakistan carrying out deadly military strikes on Iran. Iran is demanding answers amid an escalating spat with Pakistan. Overnight, Pakistan launched pee. retaliatory strikes on targets in southeastern Iran, just across their shared border. Pakistan claims it took out a number of militants, but Iran says mostly women and children were killed. This is coming just a day after Iran said it fired missiles and drones at militant strongholds inside Pakistan. Local officials say two children were killed there. CNN's Ivan Watson is following all of these details for us. Uh, Ivan, these really are, um, and this is an extraordinary moment, with Pakistan and Iran launching strikes against each other. What does it mean for the region? Well, I think it just underscores, Sarah, how volatile the Middle East and Central Asia are right now, because even 48 hours ago, you couldn't have imagined these two neighbors getting into this tit-for-tat, deadly cross-border missile strike uh, situation. And then out of nowhere, the Iranians fire these missiles into Pakistani territory, saying they're hitting militants who've carried out attacks inside Iran in the past. And it totally shocks the Pakistani ruling establishment, which calls it uh, uh, basically a, a disruption of Pakistan sovereignty, says at least two children were killed in the strikes, and there are calls for retaliation, and that's what a number of hours ago the Pakistan... Don't they both hate America, or does Pakistan have some sort of U.S.-backed group? <laughs> Listen, both of these countries have a litany of issues in their domestic affairs and even in their foreign policy. But let's just say that Pakistan, well, let's think about it this way. Pakistan has nukes. Do with that information what you will. No, that's not a U.S. That's not a Hassanabi doctrine thing. Yes. Uh, Pakistan is a U.S. client state, but unlike Japan or Korea, they do the dirty work without receiving the benefit of the industry that Japan and Korea did. Yes. Pakistan is a U.S. client state. There is no better example of Pakistan being a U.S. client state than like slightly deviating away from American hegemonic positions and getting punished severely for it in the form of a like a light military coup that has been ongoing in Pakistan currently where Imran Khan and his supporters and now you might not like Imran Khan okay you don't have to be the the biggest Imran Khan fan but the idea that like all of his supporters are currently being arrested after mass protests and all of his party members are being arrested and and being forced to not participate in the electoral process in Pakistan without America ever mentioning it and this is something that has been ongoing for a long time now should get you to think about it a little bit get you to think about it a little bit further not to mention harboring Osama bin Laden completely to the knowledge of the U.S. yeah we're not even going to talk about that part but yes that definitely is interesting as well Pakistan's an interesting country that's all I'm going to say I can come on and explain this more in detail I let me let, let's get through the basics here real quick and then uh, and then I'll have you on any military uh, basically claimed responsibility for saying that uh, it fired, quote, killer drones, rockets, loitering munitions and standoff weapons into Iranian territory after targets that it claimed were uh, ethnic Baluch separatist militants who. These specific strikes, however, have very little to do with the U.S. Yeah, I'm just giving a 
I was just giving a broader analysis of Pakistan in general to the chatters. I don't think that these are these are specifically related to the U.S. Obviously, nothing is done globally without the United States like having at least somewhat of a say in the process. But I do think that more this is this goes back to what I've said that liberals would probably agree with me on. But I do think that Amer- as America's soft power and even hard power as well to a certain degree starts waning globally, I do think that you will see more and more regional actors behave in ways uh, that previously they uh, would look to get permission from the United States before behaving in that way. And this this even pertains to obviously client states or specifically allies like India assassinating dudes in Canada is another example of this. Even Maduro, in an effort to, I don't know, gain more popularity, will hit the nationalism button a little bit and claim that he's going to go and invade uh, uh, Guyana. Like, that is an example of countries not utilizing the chaos and commotion that America is creating because it can't maintain its hegemonic superpower status as well to, uh, I don't know, advance the living conditions and the material interests of the citizens, but instead becoming, like, their own petty little despots, their own petty little tyrants. All right, let's continue. Who they accuse of having uh, operated from uh, across this very long and porous border. Uh, so it's a messy situation. Uh, the Pakistanis seem to be leaving the door open to some kind of de-escalation right now. And the ball does appear to be in Iran's court, though Pakistan has withdrawn its ambassador from Tehran. And it has said that Iran's ambassador to, to the Pakistani capital is not really welcome at this time. So this really is a diplomatic crisis between these two neighbors who basically didn't have any beef more than 48 hours ago. Yeah, I mean, it is extremely troubling and extremely rare. Uh, I don't know that we've seen this in our lifetimes. And thank you for clarifying that we are talking about Central Asia uh, as well. A lot of people think that um, Pakistan... My dad is getting upset that you call Pakistan a U.S. client state. Let me find out. I mean... Yeah, Pakistan lying too. Okay, my bad. No, the Pakistani military does not get its directives from the CIA. And the the Pakistani uh, intelligence is not basically like outsourced CIA at all. Like I said, there's deviations from America's interests. Sometimes, you know, they, they do the Turkey thing a little bit. But ultimately, they fall in line. I know this from my own personal experience from Turkey and how Turkey operates. But you should ask your dad why Imran Khan uh, is, is in the position that he's in. Or, I don't know, read any of the Intercept articles that were written on this by Ryanger and Murtaza Hussein. You know, they've done uh, phenomenal coverage that is actually, like, it's gotten a lot of press, as a matter of fact. The people of Pakistan, I don't know if they're super fond of America. Understandably, they probably aren't, but um, the government is a whole different... Not even the government, but the, the military is a whole different issue. ...is the Middle East. Thank you. Appreciate it, Ivan. Uh, John, um, this makes me really fearful of a, a huge conflagration. Look, there's the a area. lot going on here. This is the location yeah. of the Pakistani strike inside Iran, and you can see some of the aftermath right there uh, of what took place. Uh, this is the video. This is the Pakistani strike inside Iran, and then the Iranian strike inside Pakistan was about here. All right, let's bring in our... Uh... Indian Hassan Brown correspondent will give me more information. Yes, time for Aruna. No, all right. What's happening? What's going on? So basically, uh, what's happening in Iran and Pakistan right now? 
is in order to understand what's going on there, you have to basically understand this region called Balochistan. And Balochistan is a sort of region that that basically uh, it basically <laughs> straddles both Iran and uh, and Pakistan, and it is home to the ethnic Baloch people. So the people in Balochistan, in both Iran and Pakistan, have been basically and Afghanistan as well have been horribly mistreated by their respective governments, and that for the past several decades has led to insurgency within the region. So what started the Pakistan attacks in Iran was that Iran struck Pakistan uh, in the Balochistan region. And the claim is that the from the Iranian side is that the people that they attacked were members of uh, Jay Shaladli, who is the successor uh, militant group to Jandala. And Jandala is a separatist group in Iran that is you can you can say it's a Salafist group that is supposedly based out of Pakistan. What is uh, they're claiming they're based out of Pakistan, but they are most uh, active in the Sistan and Baluchistan province in Iran. And so, in response, what Pakistan did was they attacked what they considered to be hideouts for the BLF and the BLA, the Balochistan Liberation Army and the Balochistan uh, Liberation Force, or the yeah Balochistan. Uh, Liberation Force, the BLF and the BLA. So a lot of people are very tempted to think of it as like, is this an Iran versus Balochistan, uh, sorry, Iran versus Pakistan thing? That is not the way you should be looking at this whatsoever. Um, the way you should be looking at this is both the militant groups in their respective regions in Pakistan and Iran have been giving the state apparatuses of both countries massive trouble. And so what they're both trying to do right now is that they are trying to basically squash the the uh, the Baloch, I guess, insurgent movements in both Iran and Pakistan. I'll stop there. Uh, Wait, is so any- uh, a question I have for you is the Balochistan Liberation Front. You said that they are uh, not them directly. They're not Salafis, right? No, so Baloch Liberation. No, I said uh, the successor to Jandala is. So the okay. ones that Iran attacked were were Salafists. Okay. So, because uh, the Baloch Liberation Army is it still uh, Marxist? I I mean, at this point, it, yeah, it means nothing at this point. Like, they're not really Marxist at this point. Uh, I mean, as far as like a lot of uh, Marxism in South Asia, it's not as like a lot of the Marxists in South it's Asia Marxist are not nationalist like, movements. Yeah, right? it's for, more for nationalist ethnic liberation. Point, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's basically more of a national liberation movement. Again, like all militant groups, they've also uh committed like uh heinous crimes against civilians as well but the same you know claims can be leveled at both the pakistan and the iranian states Mm -hmm. so that's basically like what you can sort of say so that's sort of the crux of this sort of conflict right now as obviously uh you can imagine the a lot of people in pakistan right now are very wired up or they're very wound up about the whole situation because again like as with a lot of people in the region, they can be fired up into nationalism very quickly. And likewise in Iran as well. Now, the reason I know about all this in the first place is because the stuff that I've been covering recently as of late was about the Baloch protests in Pakistan as Nerd That Was Promised is mentioned. So basically for the past like several several decades or so, the Pakistani state has been effectively disappearing Baloches for like the past, they've been disappearing Baloches, basically accusing them of, you know, terrorism, the standard, the this, this sort of the standard talking points that you would hear 
They are terrorists because they're supposedly affiliated with the BLF. They are BLA, so on and so forth, right? And so yeah. they have been disappeared. As one does. By, as one as does. One does. Exactly. As any state does. Right. I would want to so know. They, I, I would I, I would I think it would be interesting this is a suspicion, but I wonder what kind of surveillance technology they're using and if it has any if there's any credence there or any kind of uh, I don't know, because like I remember uh, I remember reading a little bit about potentially China utilizing uh, Israeli surveillance technology in their mass surveillance campaign against Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang under the boundaries that were identical to uh, every other country that does stuff like this all the time whenever there's like a separatist uh, a separatist movement. Um, I wonder if Pakistan I'm not too sure about the... I don't know what the involvement with regards to surveillance is. A lot of the disappearances isn't like the the surveillance state in Pakistan is not as sophisticated as what you would find in Xinjiang. Uh, not by a long shot. What you're basically just like what you're seeing is like it's been happening for decades at this point. This is not a new thing, right? And this has largely led to what the Baloch have basically termed a Baloch genocide. Um, there's been a systematic erasure. Uh, yeah, so Jay Shaladli is the is the Sunni Salafist group uh, that is also a secessionist group in Iran that Iran claims to have attacked in Pakistan. So here's the question then. It, it, these aren't joint operations, obviously, but is that the major point of contention here? Like, why is Pakistan upset if they themselves are also uh, uh, clearing out any kind of uh, Balochist separatist movements in their own borders? It's a mix of two reasons. So, and this is just me speculating at the moment. So the, the thing is, what has actually happened is Iran, when they attacked Pakistan, actually did kill civilians. So understandably, Pakistanis are very up in arms about that because obviously when you attack civilians as a as a as another state, you're obviously yeah. the the citizens are going to be very pissed off, understandably so. For sure. But yeah. But it's always been that the Baloch separatism has always been sort of a hot potato between Iran and Pakistan. That's been the one thing that has kind of soured the relationship a little bit. And then the other factor in that is India, because India's involvement in all of this is that it is, to my knowledge, India has stand given... Back, stand by. What's going on? No, I'm just... Nothing. I'm just saying India is... is standing back and standing by <laughs> they seem to i mean they seem to appreciate it i mean they immediately uh well i mean it, it's surprising because wait didn't they didn't they uh, uh align with did they align with iran or pakistan in this are uh, they india is more in line with iran yeah which is because again oh, yeah, right. they're more in line with iran on this because so whenever the topic of kashmir is brought up with regards to India, India's usual talking point counter to that is Balochistan. And both states are right. Both India and Pakistan are right in that human rights abuses were committed and have and continue to be committed in both Kashmir by both states and, and Kashmir and Balochistan. So the Indian state still continues to engage in war crimes as well as, you know, committing human rights abuses in the Kashmir Valley. But at the same time, Pakistan also continues to commit human rights abuses in Balochistan, too. So it's both, right? Yeah, so not, it's used as you, a, Wait, can you clarify your Kashmir position? Um, I don't think you're saying that uh, Pakistan is committing human rights abuses in Kashmir. You're saying Pakistan no, I'm saying is committing India human is. rights abuses in... You're saying India is committing human rights abuses in Kashmir, which is correct. And you're saying that Pakistan is committing human rights abuses against uh, uh, Baloch separatists. Yes. Before Not people... just Baloch separatists. So Balochistan in oh, general. Balochistan in general. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. So like, so basically the Baloch separatism has been a constant pretense within 
pretense within the Pakistani state as a way of basically just kidnapping and disappearing random Baloch students. So, for example, in like universities in Punjab province and in and Karachi University, for example, there have been random Baloch people, Baloch students that have been abducted by the Pakistani state, by the Pakistani police on basically no suspicion whatsoever. And effectively, this had reached a boiling point in Pakistan, which has led to a mass movement, largely spearheaded by figures like Mahrang Baloch. Uh, highly recommend you look her up. Uh, but there was a recent walk from Quetta, which is in th this is the capital of Balochistan, all the way to the capital of Pakistan, Islamabad. It was led by women, as Chad says, yes. So it was a movement that was led by women from Gwadar, uh, sorry, from Quetta, Balochistan. We'll get to Gwadar in a second because Gwadar kind of is important here. From Quetta all the way to Islamabad. Um, they, that's a long way. Yeah, they walked a long time. And uh, once they reached Islamabad, you had obviously the cops and the army basically... It was mostly the 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 local cops in Islamabad basically attack, separate, do basically ta uh, cop tactics. They were attacking protesters with water cannons, so on and so forth. And they were basically sending, trying to send the Baloch back to Balochistan, basically. So the so what I was saying, chat, was that in a similar way to how India has committed human rights abuses in Kashmir, when those human rights abuses are brought up, India immediately counters that with. Hey, what about Balochistan? Like, what what about you guys in Balochistan? You guys are also committing uh, human rights abuses in Balochistan, which is true. Who's arming? Um, who do you think is uh, is arming uh, the the uh, separatist movements there? Because in a lot of instances, is very likely India. If anything, yeah, I was gonna say in a lot of instances, very likely India. you will always have regional actors that uh, genuinely work to arm separatist movements, uh, even if their cause is just, by the way. Kurds are a great example of this. Obviously, yeah. Kurds are 35 million in the region, ethnic minority that is stateless. They have an autonomous zone in, like, northern Iraq given to them by yeah. the United States of America, obviously. But, like, beyond that, there's not much... Um, beyond that, uh, uh, the United States will often uh, arm Kurdish militias and support them until they off and then allow turkey to come in and just wipe them out entirely um right is there like a is there like a similar similar uh thing happening here yeah i mean balochistan is a very i mean it's a very the balochistan independence movement uh however like justified it is and it is in a sense the material conditions for the baloch people have been atrocious for the past several decades i mean right now the desire for in independence at the moment is very low in balochistan or at least in the in pakistan right now it's like 33 percent. but the material conditions for the balochistan province in both iran and pakistan are quite frankly speaking, they're atrocious. So uh, Balochistan, the Sistan and Balochistan province in Iran and the Balochistan province in Pakistan are respectively the poorest regions in each country. And contrary to popular belief, CPEC, uh, which is the uh, Chinese-Pakistan economic corridor, has not helped that situation either. Um, because a lot of the workers that are working, which is, so Gwadar is another port in, in Pakistan, which is crucial for their deal at the moment. And so basically, uh, one of the consequences is that the economic conditions for Baloch fishermen have actually worsened because of the economic deal, because Chinese workers that have been imported into the country, that have been brought into the country to work the ports, have actually uh, displaced the local uh, have displaced the local fishermen in a, in a way. There's also sort of a uh, an ethnic sentiment angle in Pakistan as well, in that the a lot of people within the Baloch, Saraiki, and Pashtun ethnic groups 
tend to be very pissed off at the Pakistani establishment, which has traditionally been dominated by the Punjabis and the Sindhis, right? So a lot of, so the current establishment right now, again, I'm just saying like, this is an overall sentiment that I've seen is that uh, the current establishment uh, of Pakistan is currently run, like, for example, the Bhutto family is largely speaking (coughs) Sindhi. They're Sindhi speakers. The PML party is, that's why the PPP party, chat, don't laugh. The Pakistan People's Party is dominant in Sindh. The PMLN party is largely dominant in the uh, Punjab province of of, uh, Pakistan. And so because for a long time, these two regions have dominated Pakistani politics, there's been a large resentment from places like Balochistan, KPK, uh, even uh, the Pakistan-administered parts of Kashmir as well, uh, Kashmir and Gilgit-Baltistan. So there's also that angle to that as well. This is all happening as in the aftermath of Imran Khan's ouster as well, even though I feel like these are all things that were already occurring under his uh, uh, reign too, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, Imran like Khan has never, Imran Khan has not been the best of allies. I mean, the CPEC was really strengthened under Imran Khan's rule, yeah. which has worsened the economic conditions for the Baloch uh, fishermen in, Gu- in Gwadar. Um, but Imran Khan has also not been kind to other minorities, especially like the way I think of Imran Khan is that he's not as open or he's not as like directly beholden to American State Department interests like the current administration is. Yeah. But he's no saint either. Right. When he was in power, uh, he was absolutely not kind to, for example, the Hazara ethnic group who left Afghanistan, who are originally from Afghanistan, but have left due to the persecution by the Taliban so, and the Mujahideen at the time. So here, that's it. That's actually great that you brought that up because it dovetails into what I wanted to talk about. Because like the current Afghan policy, or not the current Afghan policy, sorry, the current Pakistan policy of mass deportation is is. I mean, it's been happening since October. And so the date for that, so the date to get rid of all the Afghans, the was uh in was november 1st so yeah. the date to deport all of them has already been passed yeah and there is uh there are four million that reside in pakistan and an estimated 1.7 million according to the council for foreign relations is undocumented so my question there is if this is a continuation of imran khan's policies like why is this still happening uh does america just look the other way because like the current administration is-, is supposed to be way more pro uh u.s I don't have a solid answer for this, actually, because so I was talking about this with uh, animated Sarah on Twitter, uh, who's in the chat right now. And we've been going back and forth about this as to like trying to figure out a reason why this might be happening. The thing is, America was actually giving money to Pakistan to keep those Afghan to, to keep Afghan citizens within Pakistan, especially the ones that have more recently come from Afghanistan to Pakistan. So this actually Pakistan deporting Afghan citizens actually goes very much against American state policy, actually. My my guess is I think it it ultimately boils down to the Pakistani state has largely thought of these guys as an economic liability, which is actually not true. These are basically in. So for the Americans in the audience, it's similar to how undocumented immigrants from Central America come to America. They work all the low paying jobs and they get treated like 
most of the time because they're undocumented. Yeah. In much of a similar way, the Afghans in Pakistan don't have proper citizenship. They don't have any proper documentation or anything. Uh, and they're forced to basically, you know, work odd jobs and they're supposed to, they're forced to work very low paying jobs. My another, guess- Another is, analog is, another analog is a, is, is a Turkey with Syrian uh, migrants, Syrian refugees. Turkey right. was paid by the European Union to the tune of uh, billions of dollars specifically so that, so that the Erdogan regime would take in uh, to the tune of i think like almost 10 million uh syrian migrants that 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 estimation varies some say four some say 10 it is not an insignificant amount it's a, it's a very significant amount for a country that is not super uh wealthy just like pakistan and it, the the material interests there as far as i understand it are nearly identical it gives you a lot of it gives you an opportunity to utilize this migrant population as a cudgel you utilize this against the european union politically you can always say hey, we will release the Syrian migrants into the Greek border if you don't, you know, do whatever we want to do. And then also, it, like, it gives, a, it gives a political opportunity, I assume, to the uh, Pakistani government, but it also uh, allows you to do, like, uh, domestic decisions as well and take advantage of the migrant uh, population that you can force to, uh, to do backbreaking labor without any sort of serious protection. Yeah, I would generally speaking say that is the case in Pakistan. Like that, so they've been basically used as a basically a free labor force in in much of in much of a similar way. But the deportation has not of <clears throat> Afghan citizens has not just been. First off, as animated Sarah said, Afghans that are refugees in Pakistan, many of whom are born and raised in Pakistan, they have known uh, Pakistan as their home. They don't know anything about Afghanistan. They have never been to Afghanistan. They've never seen Afghanistan before. They have been basically forced they've been packed in shipping containers like the stuff that you'd see on like u-hauls and stuff and they were dropped into afghanistan immediately but it wasn't just limited to that either it wasn't just limited to that either so pashtuns are another ethnicity that straddle a border uh in this case it the pashtuns also straddle afghanistan and pakistan so the pakistani state in addition to you know deporting uh afghan citizens that were never allowed to become pakistan uh citizens of pakistan they decided to, uh, there are cases of Pashtuns, ethnic Pashtuns who live on, who are, you know, Pakistani Pashtuns who have, whose family has always been on the Pakistani side of the border by virtue of the fact that they are Pashtun uh, on top of the fact that, you know, Pashtuns are an ethnic group that straddles both sides of the border. They've also been deported. There are cases of Pashtuns also being deported to uh, Afghanistan too. I mean, I, I don't know what to say other than it's just uh, totally I still don't understand the timing of this back and forth <coughs> with respect to um, the the uh, Pakistani retaliation with respect to like the Iranian first strike that I find uh, rather odd to do at in this ver in this specific moment. I don't know why Iran is is engaging with uh, uh, separatists in in Balochistan when they're it's in the midst of uh, a, a, a much larger conflict against uh, Israel and the United States of America in the region. Well, so another reason, I mean, another reason is that there are, and this is probably going to be the bingo moment for you and chat. There have been reports, again, one, I think the leader of the predecessor of the group they just attacked, Jaishal Adli, the, its predecessor was a group called Jandala. And there have been reports that say that Jandala received U.S. training and funding. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, this is okay. Well, can I? Can you confirm this? Iran's claim is that uh, Jaish al Dal is. Uh, am I saying that right? Or al worked with ISIS K and Mossad to help with the attack in Kerman. It was related yeah. to the Iranian missile strikes in Iraq and Syria. Yeah. Very likely, yes. They they view 
so yes, the Iran's claim is that Jaysh al-Adli and his predecessor Jandala are more aligned with the United States, basically. So that's why. That's another reason why uh, Iran uh, might be uh, attacking these guys at this moment. And instead of, I, I, the thing I still don't understand is like why there's no um, cooperation uh, within uh, Pakistan and Iran in order to deal with potentially ISIS-K aligned uh, Salafist militias that I suspect Pakistan itself would not be super fond of unless this is, I don't want to make any uh, assertions here, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I, unless I assume that uh, the American State Department is giving Pakistan leeway in dealing with uh, Afghan refugees inside of its borders specifically uh, so that they can win a, a curry favor within uh, in the upcoming election, curry favor within uh, the the population that is like very angry about uh, plenty of people, as far as I understand, are very angry about Imran Khan's ouster uh, yes. and and also looking the other way that uh, on the reality that, uh, you know, uh, everyone from his party are also being like arrested. It's mass suppression. It's like anti-democratic. These are things that America would usually use as just cause to immediately implement sanctions immediately uh do like widespread condemnation the american state department has been suspiciously quiet on that kind of thing and maybe they're quiet on that kind of thing because the the current pakistani regime is cooperative with the american state department interests in opening up a new front or rather moving the attention away from gaza i would say that is a bandwidth. possibility i would say okay. that's a possibility nothing is confirmed quite yet that's I would chalk that up to speculation at the moment. But again, I wouldn't put it past the current bilateral relations between America and Pakistan. If that was the correct conclusion, I would not be surprised by that, basically. Okay. Um, in a sense, it, it's kind of like what Nerd is saying. Pakistan is significantly more loyal to the U.S. like than to Iran in that case. You kind of say that Iran kind of views Pakistan with a bit of suspicion in that sense um, because of uh, Pakistan's more open align, or at least the Pakistan military's alignment with the U.S. Yeah, so that that alignment might uh, be a factor in a sort of hindrance that both Iran and Pakistan are between Iran and Pakistan cooperating on taking out these militants. Um, but at the same time, I do want to say this, right? Again, it's very easy to get caught up in the sort of the the geopolitics and the war games of it all. But there are real people uh, living within both sides of these borders. Like I said earlier, Sistan and uh, Sistani Baluchistan in Iran is the poorest region in Iran. It is the most neglected region in Iran and vice versa to, uh, for Pakistan. Balochistan is the poorest region in Pakistan by far. It's because both countries have been treating their Baloch populations like complete trash. When the Masa Amini protests were happening, there were also uh, uh, protests happening in, I believe, in Zahedan province, which is, again, a sister province to Sistan and Balochistan. And the Iranian state, they, they massacred roughly 100 people uh, that were protesting. Again, let me see the Amnesty International. Here's the Amnesty International uh, uh, link for that. Yeah, so in Iran, there was a there was a wave of protests that happened in the wake of the, the Masa Amini protests. And another angle that doesn't get talked about. The Zahedan Massacre, that, is that what you're talking about? The, yes, the Zahedan Massacre, yes. So yeah. roughly 100 people, yeah, roughly 100 people were killed. 96 protesters were killed, 300 injured. Yeah, so basically the, the thing to keep in mind, chat, is that there are real people living in these borders that have been constantly f***ed over by both states. 
Uh, first off, chat, Pakistan is not going to nuke Iran. That's crazy. I, I don't know. I saw a couple of people in chat saying that, but no, obviously not. Um, it's easy to get lost in the theatrics, but it's important to realize that like people are really being affected by sort of what Iran and Pakistan have been doing to them for the past several decades. There's a reason that there's still uh, an independence movement in both uh, Iran and, and Pakistan with regards to the Baloch people. It's very easy to get lost in that. It's very easy to forget that. So I just want to like keep that in mind as well. Uh, I just want Chad to remember that as well because I mean I think those I think are the of, I, I do think that there's still I mean there's more that the these uh, governments could do for these people, but I, I I do think that there's obviously external factors at play that make it even harder for any kind of global cooperation to occur or any kind of like genuine development to happen as well. Something that you see in obviously poor uh, regions in, in poor countries all the time. Not to say that that is the only reason. And there is no right. there's no real justification for uh, security crackdowns on any kind of separatist or any kind of real separatist group whatsoever. It's like maintain that consistently throughout my coverage of like Xinjiang as well no matter how I mean, reactionary my, people might my get. take is that like my is that yeah there are going to be militant groups that are going to I think obviously like the fact that the BLF and the BLA are you know they've received training from India I mean again allegedly right but I think that says more to their current political condition that they have to seek they have they like a lot of people have been tired of the do the lack of due process in Iran and Pakistan locally, which is why they're reaching out to you know India for example for for help in that regard. And in much in that this happens all the time for militant groups across the world. That's always been sort of my take on that. Uh, what are the BLF BF BLF and the BLA? So BLF are the Balochistan Liberation Force. BLA are the Balochistan Liberation Army. Also, uh, it's uh, Bangladesh. I mean, they, it's by not the way, Bangladesh. Not dissimilar to like Israel offering uh, healthcare to El Nusra, uh, yep. as it was uh, for the brief moments in time where they overtook like uh, certain parts of uh, Golan Heights. India, as far as I understand, according to the Hindu.com, gave uh, BLA commanders medical treatment in India's hospitals, often yes. under disguise or with a fake identity. Um, yes. So there's definitely. It, this yeah, this is not the first time India has trained rebel <clears throat> groups, just for the record. They've also trained the LTTE in Sri Lanka. This is not remotely the first time they've engaged in this behavior. Like, India has also trained the Liberation Tigers of uh, Tamililam or the Tamil Tigers as well. Again, that's another story for later because, uh, yeah, they've trained the Tamil Tigers as well. So this is like uh, militant groups seeking aid or seeking arms from India is not like a new thing in India's history whatsoever. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on once again. And in Thanks for having us. me. I appreciate it. All as right. always. Bye, All right, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Aruna now on Twitch. Uh, his socials are all over the chat. You guys can uh, see it in the chat as well. So, you know, interesting timing for this uh, back and forth uh, to occur. Who knows? I'm not saying with any certainty, especially because this is not that aspect of Pakistani or regional politics is not something that I'm going to, you know, going to act like I know a lot about. I don't. It is a weird time for it to occur. Sometimes when you want to understand American involvement in an area, you sometimes have to look at what the bad stuff a government is doing and what is allowed and not being talked about. That's definitely something that you always have to remember. Like Turkey's bombing the Northern Syrian corridor. That gets no coverage whatsoever in American media. 
Why does that get no coverage whatsoever in American media? But God forbid, if Erdogan was out there unironically, legitimately squeezing the uh, gas faucet that is going into Israel, you bet your f America and American State Department-backed media would be talking about the ethnic cleansing that Turkey is conducting upon the Kurdish population in the northern Syrian corridor verbatim every single f day. But the reason why... They don't talk about it is because no matter how much Erdogan speaks from one side of his mouth about Israel and about Israel being bad and about, uh, you know, Israel is in the wrong here and Israel is wrong. Satan Yahoo, one minute you are going to hell. No matter what he says, ultimately, the reality is his son's own shipping company is still obviously doing commerce with Israel regularly. And also the pipelines coming from Azerbaijan that go through Turkey, that go into Israel, that supply Israel with around 40% of their energy are still very much in operation. So that means Erdogan gets to do whatever he wants. Why does he get to do whatever he wants? Because he's still operating with America's permission. You have to remember, you have to remember, it's not always what leaders say. As a matter of fact, Turkey Erdogan at least stands for his country. Is he really in business with Israel? <laughs> yes, very much so. I'm telling you once again. And by the way, most Arabs don't know that. Yes, most Arabs don't know this. Guys, Jeremy Scahill didn't know this. Come on. And he is a very informed investigative reporter that has like literally covered the region for years. People don't know this because it's not even remotely brought to anyone's attention because everyone is hyper-focused on this. Most of this is theater. Leave the bees for now. Get it later. All right, I'll leave it. 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 Hi, brother, baby. Why is he oh, going after the bees? Shot, he keeps doing that. It's very dark in here. I don't like that. What? I heard something. Flower, are you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, watch out for the back of the ship. There may or may not be a wild pack of bees I put there. I need you to guide me back to the entrance, Hassan. Wait, what did you say? I said the hive runner's done it again. What?